Life is funny. I, I mean, work. There's this balance that we do. We work, obviously, so we can get by day to day, but also with the hopes that someday we can afford to retire and enjoy the good life. Hopefully. If you were to try to plot it on a graph, there'd be two lines. One ascending line growing with your retirement savings. The other, the lifeline descending with each year. Except that one's fickle because you can't know when it ends. The trick is to try to figure out when to get off the merry-go-round, when to say, okay, I have enough now and I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life. Because if you wait too long, you could be out of time. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Paybee. Bill Dragoon. Helga Pedersen. Jason Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. I'm Helga Pedersen, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters, cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear, greenchiliadv.com. It was sort of a a low point in the adventure of life. John Evans had just gone through a divorce that he didn't see coming. It was probably raining outside because he lives in the UK. I'm throwing that in. He was sitting at his computer scanning YouTube for something to watch when a video caught his eye. It was a motorcycle adventure in the Himalayas. John clicked the video. Within seconds, he was drawn in. The scenery was stunning. The motorcycles were mesmerizing. The adventure was palpable to him. By the time it was over, John already knew what he needed to do. He needed to go to India and ride the Himalayas for himself. The question was, how? He immediately began searching the internet to figure out how he was going to do it. He didn't have a budget, so he did what came natural to him. He searched the internet for the cheapest way to have a motorcycle adventure in the Himalayas. A tour company. And not just any tour company, but the cheapest tour company he could find. And he was in luck because it was right there on his screen staring back at him. The trip was already planned. At that point, he could have no idea just how much impact this trip would have on him and how much of an adventure it would actually turn out to be. I'm uh, John Evans. I'm from Essex in England. Um, I'm due to be 60 in a month's time. And uh, currently, I'm retired on a risky plan B. You just said you're due to be 60. Make it sound like a package is arriving. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to be 60. (laughs) (laughs) I know know I'm going to be 60. Yeah, I don't think you can get around that. That's that's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. What is your risky or or, or your retirement plan? How did you say that? 
Yeah, risky plan B, I call it. Um, effectively, I, I was working uh, for a hospice um, up until five years ago. Um, quite a quite a stressful job. Obviously, you'd appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people passing end of life care and that. I was the estates manager, and um, I lost basically. I lost a couple of members of me, my own staff, to should I say cancer? Um, and you know, I watched their journey. And they were about the same age as me. And I thought, do you know what? Life's too short. I, I, I need them, you know, you don't, you don't know what's around the corner. So I looked into my figures and, uh, yeah, I basically thought, well, I can do this. I can manage this. I can retire and travel a bit more, which is the kind of thing that I really wanted to do. Um, I was pretty much fed up with being beholden to the, well, it wasn't even nine to five. It was 24-7 lifestyle. So, uh, yeah, I pulled the plug, pulled my pension. Um, who knows in this um, in this, in this climate, now financial climate, how that's going to work. But uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't worry too much, you know. it's I, I put food on my table. I pay my bills. Um, I keep myself warm. If it gets cold, I put a jumper on. <laughs> so, so your idea of retirement of sort of, of of spending your life in a quality fashion is to travel yeah I very much wanted to travel and i must admit this year i've been very very fortunate to have uh, grabbed some like quality time away i mean um i think i alluded to you that i i i did the balkans trip um i then came back uh wasn't sort of like over traveling so uh, i contacted one of my old chums from school and uh, we had five five sorry seven days um in france in the jura mountains um and we ironically he reminded me that we hadn't actually traveled abroad since 1982 so it's 40 years ago that we traveled together this, this is just uh, you and your friend then just me and, yeah just me and one of my friends yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and as a result of my trip to the Balkans, um, I was in Mostar, Bosnia, um, and I booked a very, very cheap accommodation. The guy that was renting the place and his family were such lovely people that I'm uh, flying out in two weeks' time to um, spend uh, my birthday out there, and uh, I'm taking somebody out with me, and, uh, yeah, going back to revisit. Um, brilliant. Like you meet people on holidays. So your Put thing, your thing with travel is is it's not just travel; it's travel by motorcycle. Very much so. Um, people often say to me, uh, "Oh, I bet you love going motorcycle racing." And I say, "No." Oh, I bet you go to rallies and all that. And I say, "No." Oh, you know all them meetups where you meet all the bikers in a in a pub and a bar and all that. And I said, no, 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 for me. I just like motorcycles as a form of transport to travel. And that way, it sounds daft, really. I'm not, you know, I'm not up to, I'm not up to date with, um, what do you call it, the, you know, all all the modern stuff. I don't buy bike mags or anything now. I just, uh, I just actually enjoy the travel and on the, you know, on two wheels that beauty of being able to just pull off anywhere, um, take a photograph. I think you see so much more, really. 
Um, you're always alert. You're looking around. You're taking in everything. You're watching the road, and and that's yeah, that's kind of my sort of take on motorcycling. So you're not really an aficionado or anything for, for motorcycles. You're not reading motorcycle magazines, that sort of thing. I did in the past, you know, but it was you know, you was throwing you throwing a couple of pound a week at stuff, and um, and to be honest with you, it was the same old stories time and time again. And I didn't really think back in the day. Um, when I did buy magazines, it wasn't a lot catered for people who like travelling, touring mm. and stuff. That market's definitely opened up now a little bit more. Yeah. Um, um, but I haven't really sort of – and if I if I stumble across something in a news agent, I might buy it, but um, I'm not a subscriber. But I will say I do like your channel. Um, I actually stumbled across it purely by chance – um, that was on an Alexa. I think I said something, adventure rider, something, right? And he, he picked it out. Well, hello, I like this. So, <laughs> so uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah, heard that yeah. one. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I was just, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't even sure our podcasts work. How would you call them up and stuff? And uh, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not, I am sort of tech savvy. I could build you a computer, but um, I, when it comes to the, apps and all this uh I've, I've i've literally turned into me dad um yeah can you set up the timer for me please on the vcr <laughs> <laughs> now only people of a certain age group get that joke you know the, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing with the timer <laughs> and the setting the timer i mean it was such a big deal for everybody oh, it's a, well, yeah it's and amazing. if you did and if you didn't recall the didn't recall the soap they wanted, oh, there was hell oh, to yeah. play. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny that didn't last long, did it? The whole no. the whole VCR. No. It's, it's it's surprising because, of course, I'm sure you remember all the the uh, VCR rental uh, places, the videotape oh, rental places that popped up, and and they were huge. I, mean, I remember Blockbuster. I mean, I know we're really going down a, a a side road here, but I remember Blockbuster, how big it was, and then all it was of a sudden, huge, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's just gone. Yeah. I know, I know. Even DVDs, and, that, and we're not buying those anymore. Oh, well, exactly. You know, I, you know, I'm still partial to, um, uh, still partial to a CD. At least you actually get it out of a box, put yeah. it, put it on your player. Uh, I'm not for all this MP3 stuff. It's, I, you know, I do have some, but <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's like you feel like you're actually getting something that you're paying for. You know, exactly. you got something exactly. physical in your yeah. hands, and you yeah. can look on the shelf and see your collection rather than exactly. having to open your computer screen. I, there is something about that. This comes with books too. You know, there is yeah. something about looking up on a bookshelf and seeing your collection of books because when I look at my phone sitting there, knowing that I've got you know dozens and dozens of books on my Kindle, it just doesn't do the same thing. As seeing no, those I'm, covers. I'm, do, I'm doing exactly the same thing now. I'm looking up at my bookshelf and I'm thinking, there you go. There's all be cookery books. Uh, when was the last time I looked in one of them? Yeah. There's me got there's me gardening books and there's all my travel books that I bought over the years. Um I think that's something that actually sparked yeah, probably actually looking back, Jupiter's travels, you probably heard this a million times, like the Bible for travel. But um yeah, that I think that was one that pretty much and I think every a lot of people say this. Um if you've read Jupiter's travels it sparks an interest in your life to go out there and have a proper look. Um, um, yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that was my first ever travel book that I uh, ever bought. Um, when did you get that? How old were you when you read Jupiter's Travels? Oh, quite. Yeah, I would have been in my early 20s. Yeah, early oh, so you, 20s. You got it. 
in your early 20s. So you got it. Uh, no, it, w- it would have been out for 10 years or something like that, 15 so that, years. Yeah, I'd have been, would have been, that, was, that would have been back 19. That would have been around 1982, 83, something like that. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted Simon, a very interesting book. Like, um, And I have to say, I have read all these subsequent books and that, uh, The Gypsy and Me, which is, uh, you know, is, is him doing it on uh, doing a trip on by foot. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, I'm not adverse to reading about somebody who's cycled somewhere on a push bike or walked somewhere. Um, you know, it, it's the travel side of things, getting out there, meeting people, getting off the beaten track. Um, and that's where the adventures happen. If you... Um, if you get on an aeroplane and fly into a big city, you can't. Well, you, you can have the adventures in big cities, but I kind of feel that you're you're just selling out a little bit. Um, if you do it on your own, you kind of feel almost. It's almost that adventurer in you going out, pioneer almost. I think I might be kidding myself, but um, yeah, you do feel that you're actually going out and discovering things. Um, mm. And I, t- I tend to sort of pick places that I wouldn't, you know, that I wouldn't actually find in, um, like, uh, I'm trying to think what you call it, like a, a tour guide or something like that. You, you know, I'm quite happy finding something up a little side lane rather than a big waterfall where there's like hundreds of people all marvelling over it. Um, you find your own little specialities in life be honest with you. When you walk up to you see a bunch of bikes sitting somewhere, do the bikes attract you as far as the looks of the bikes? Do you stand there looking at them? Ooh, wow, that's the, the sweet. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, do, I still, you know, I still look at them and think, oh, I wouldn't mind one of them myself. Um, right. I've, got, I've got a little bit of a collection. I've a bit of a, should I say, I call it part of me pension pot. Um, they would, it would be part of me pension pot if I'd actually, if I actually get round to selling some. But um, yeah, over the years, so I've, you know, I've I've collected a few. And how many motorcycles can you ride on a daily basis? One at a time, isn't yeah. it? So, uh, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've you know, I've, I've had a little dream in my head that I'd like to ride to uh, East Germany on one of my old two-stroke MZs. Uh, to see the old factory, um, that's that's one of my list of things to do. Mm. I think it's I think it's achievable. A two fifty with you know seventeen stones sitting on the back of it. Um, I'm sure it's achievable. <laughs> seventeen stone, which is we talked about this with Ali. What is seventeen stone in pounds or or, or well, kilograms? If you did, yeah, uh, yeah, times that times that by fourteen. Seventeen times go. fourteen. That gives you the pounds. You mean? Yeah, that's that's what it is in pounds. Yeah, right, right. So, two hundred thirty-eight. So, when you're saying two hundred thirty-eight pounds, you're saying that's what you weigh. That's what I weigh. Yeah, ah, right, right, right. I see what you're saying. Um, cool. You so, was really, you was really polite there and didn't say, "Oh, you're fat." <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't it just matter on your height? I, I mean, I didn't say anything about you being five foot two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm six foot two, so I'm a bit of a lump, really. Oh well, so that's 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 not bad weight for you there. <laughs> Yeah. So you, you you had one trip in in particular that sort of um got you uh, I I guess got you back in or at least reignited your enthusiasm f- for motorcycle travel. Now you started out as a kid you were you you were heavily into cycling. Can you just talk about that and how you got into bikes? Yeah, I um I think I was about I think it was about 12 13 and um 
birthday presents were being discussed. So uh, anyway, I I I made a bad, a, a really bad decision with a push bike a couple of years before. Uh, you know, one of them with the small wheels. Uh, I was sort of hoodwinked into getting one of these, mm. and then I suddenly decided I want a racing cycle. So I got my first five gear push. Pooch Alpine, bright yellow. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't actually ride it until my birthday, so it sat in my grandparents' back bedroom where I'd go, where I was allowed to visit it, sit on it, but not take it outside. <laughs> wow, that's great. Those are the days. You know? That is very cool because the excitement that it builds up for you for oh, that day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so I got that. Um, I was in secondary school then, and um, I I don't know why. I thought, I don't just want to ride this bike about. I want to do something with it. So uh, fortunately, uh, I had a teacher at school who knew an ex-pupil who was into cycling. I was introduced to this cycling club, and, um, yeah, it kind of went from there. I think my parents regretted the fact that they'd bought me a, a racing bike because next thing I wanted the better racing bike and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then they were having to take me to races and things like that. So, yeah, I did that until I was about, uh, I think it started when I was about, say about four years. And I was doing time trials. You know, I was cycling up to see, I cycled up to see me nan in Norfolk. And that was, um, I think I was 14 at the time. I left with a pack of sandwiches, um, some squash in a, in a bottle, um, and I cycled a hundred miles in the day to go and see me nan. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It took a lot of convincing to let me uh, let me parents, you know, say yeah, do it. Yeah, um, yeah. So they like to say that that that's how it all sort of started. Really. So, like, so even back then, though, the riding the bicycle, even going up to Norfolk to see your grandparents, that that's like an adventure thing. That's like you, you oh, want yeah, to yeah, go yeah, somewhere. Yeah. You want to do. Oh yeah, yeah. It's freedom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd you know, I'd just disappear. Like, they'd say, what are you off doing? And I'd say, I don't know. And I'd, <laughs> and then when I'd come back in the evening, where you been? Oh, yeah, I've been halfway across Essex and uh, been here, been there. And traffic, traffic wasn't as big to them then days. It was, um, it was a lot safer, I guess. But, mm-hmm. uh, but um, yeah, I was always out and about exploring prior to that. I was always one of them kids who was either up a tree or in a ditch or climbing through a farmer's field. And, yeah, it just I was I was fortunate where I lived. I lived on a quite a big estate, but I was bordering the countryside, so I had the best of both worlds. You know, we had, like, places you could go in the, uh, in the estate, meet people, play in the play areas. But if you really wanted to have some fun, you could go, you know, into the countryside and... <clears throat> Just start climbing trees and like, yeah, yeah. And I, I just like the freedom of getting out there and stuff. That's why you said, do you camp? Or well, yeah, I did in the past. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm built built for it now. In other words, you know what it's all about. But uh, yeah, well, we can talk about that in a bit. Here. Yeah, but, yeah. So you ended up um, getting the the enthusiasm for a motorcycle, and then eventually getting a bike. What? what why a motorcycle? Do you remember what got you thinking about a bike or a motorcycle? Well, it, I, I had friends that were all a year older than me. I tended to hold, hang around with um, sort of the slightly older kids. And um, over here at 16, you could get a moped, um, like 50cc, 
at 16. Um, and then at 17, you could get yourself um, a 250. Um, I, I had a lot of friends who were fortunate to have mopeds. Unfortunately, I wasn't allowed to have one. And, um, yeah, so I got to ride their bikes. It's all probably illegal if you think back on it now. Mm. Um, and then, um, yeah, I just kind of, whoa, hello. This is more exciting than um, riding push bikes. I can see, and I was, I was going out and I was doing like rides on their, borrowing their bikes with their, you know, with their permission. And I was getting out and I kind of learned, sort of learned my craft really early. Um, and then, Obviously, the next step was I won a motorbike, and that's exactly what I did. I bought my first motorbike off a friend of mine's brother. Uh, I'd seen it; it'd been in it'd been in his shed for years. Um, we came up with a price. I bought it off of him, and uh, he delivered it to my house. And uh, yeah, the rest is history from there. Then it was like literally can't can't we back? And I remember the first day I got it. Um, I got it, and then on my birthday, uh, my oldest friend, who ironically is two days older than me, um, he got one for his birthday, and we just went out on my birthday, just riding miles, and we'll just mm-hmm. just fill it up in a tank and riding. Um, yeah, I still have fond memories of that day. Yeah, to be honest with you. that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can yeah, picture yeah, what that'd yeah. be like. I know the excitement <laughs> when you. When you're that age, wow, that's amazing. So, especially with a friend to ride along with you, that um, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. going out and exploring all over the place. You um, eventually end up getting married, and that changes things a little bit. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, I, I married quite young, and uh, everything was going really well. And that we had a couple of kiddies. Um, I was working in the city. Um, I had a good, I had a brilliant job up there, to be honest with you, but. Uh, Things got a bit flaky around 2004. I was made redundant, um, came out with a bit of a package and uh, didn't really know where I was going to go with that. Uh, And then I was delivered the bad news that there was a divorce coming my way. Uh, Yeah, pretty hard times, to be honest with you, Mm. for a couple of years. But, uh, yeah, got back on my feet. Actually went into a completely different industry. I went into into construction. building swimming pools, extensions, all sorts of things. Uh, I had to say, they, they were probably like the best. In my 40s, they were really fun times, they were. Um, just guys together, um, which I, I quite like, actually. I think that, that goes back to when you travel with guys. You know, it's always a, a bit of banter between each other. Um, yeah, I quite like I quite like all that. It's... Um, it, 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 it's you know it just makes makes for well it makes your day go easier and it makes a journey go easier if everybody's having a little bit of a rip at each other and uh, mm. I guess that's a guy thing girls probably do it as well I'd imagine you stumbled across a um, a video about the the Himalayan adventure by motorcycle can you talk about that yeah 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 so that um, going back so um, I mentioned earlier that um, yeah I, I was in a relationship. Um, it, it it fell apart and uh, I was kind of licking my wounds a little bit. Um, a typical Friday night during the winter, um, a can of beer, a takeaway, going down the uh, YouTube rabbit hole. And I just stumbled across this video. Um, it was quite professionally made. And I think I sent the link over 
Um, and it just it just dragged me in. I had been to India two times before, but I'd gone to southern India. But it was it was the draw of going to to the Himalayas. I mean, it, when you say to people well, I've been to the Himalayas, a lot of people go, "Where? Well, you've been up up in mountains," and and I say, "Yeah, I have." And they, I don't think they realise quite how much is up up the top there. Um, obviously, there's masses of history going back with partition of India and stuff. It's, you know, it's not to be uh, not to be ignored, um, but it's absolutely awe-inspiring. Well, we'll talk about the video. What was the video like? Well, the video, the guy, the guy basically um, gone off with a mate on a journey, um, and he he was becoming a new father, and his father died on a motorcycle and he um he just wanted to go and do something really big so that he could come back and say to his kids I've done something really big of the child hadn't been born but it was just like they done so well with the camera footage and uh it was it was just all the scenery and uh everything and then I obviously started digging researching more and more and more into it watching more videos of people who'd actually done it. I thought, I can do this. And what was it about the video that really, that really drew, drew you in or made you feel like you wanted to do this? Oh, crikey. Um, I just thought it was the scenery and just the fr- massive freedom being something so small in such a big area. Um, yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's, it, it's a it's a country that's um, it's a proper oxymoron. You um, none of it makes sense, but it just all works, and you just get tangled up in this bizarre sort of life out there. Um, it just I, I don't know. It, it, having been before, you kind of know what you're going to get, but when you actually get there, you you don't know what you're going to get. Um, but it was literally huge mountains. Blue skies, lakes. I said, I said, like I'm trying to sell it to you on a, um, <laughs> you know, tour, a tourist brochure, but, but it, but it's like every everybody's like living on the edge out there all the time. Um, you know, we got tangled up in a couple of landslides and uh, not actually in them, but you know, it, it blocked our route on the trip. Um, and you just see everybody come together. And and they get things done. It's like their livelihood relies on travelling down a piece of road where a bridge has been cleared out, and then they've just got diggers come from nowhere, and then you've got lorries on one side of the pass, lorries on the other side of the pass. You've got like almost like Sherpas running up and down, up and down either side of the path, and they're um, they're basically emptying one lorry and filling up one lorry on the other side, and then the lorry on the other side has been emptied. And and you think they are so I'm trying to I'm trying to pick the word now. They're industrious, industrious. Mm-hmm. They get things done, they keep moving. They haven't got to care for health and safety out there at all. But I'm not I'm not a big one on health and safety myself, right? You know, but 
So the, watching this video, the, the, you're really taken by it. Then you decided to try and find a way to go there. So and you, yeah. and you chose looking for a company. Was that your first choice? Is that your first choice normally to look for a tour company, or would you think of doing no, it on your own? No, I, I no, it wouldn't be my first choice to do it. Um, I think I, I wanted the comfort of doing it with somebody because I thought it was a leap of faith going that far away without having something in place. Right. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, it all, you know, it, all, it came, it came well, but not without its um, issues like me getting lost. And um, <laughs> I want to get to that. Well, how did you find the company? Yeah, yeah they were right. Yeah. They weren't bad at all. I mean, it was no, I mean, how did you actually find them? Like, oh, they don't, oh, sorry. How did I find them? Um, I was, I just trawled the internet and I was typing in like, you know, Himalayan motorcycle trips and then one after the other going to their web pages and looking. And they, this company was by far the cheapest of the lot. They <laughs> say so you should, they always say you shouldn't go with the cheapest of the lot. But as it happens, it sort of, it did pay dividends on that. And I, I did, I did actually go back a year later um, and um, travel with them again. But you chose that company just because it was the absolute dirt cheapest. That was that was your criteria. I didn't have a lot of money. I'm a bit tight. <laughs> it's okay. To, <laughs> you don't have to defend it. I'm just curious. That was that was your that was the parameters you had in place. Pretty Cheap. much, they were they were probably half the price of any other company. Um, they've they've actually gone pretty much gone to the wall now. I think they weren't pitching themselves uh, in the right place, but. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, for for my you know for my means and, and for the guys who've all travelled with them, um, that they, they you know they said it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant at the time, like you know. So uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah. for this trip, what do you have to do? You you have to pack your bags up and get to where? Uh, Delhi, Delhi, and that is that in itself is um, is a very much an eye opener. Um, I'd only ever been to southern India, so quite tropical. Um, you get off at Delhi, and Delhi is just a mad, mad city. It's got, you know, it's got a rich side. It's got slums. It's beggars. It's got a fantastic uh, metro system. Uh, it's just, it's, you know, and it's got skyscrapers and stuff like that. It's it's a really mixed up city. We was we were actually staying in the, um, I'd say the lower end of uh, the city but they still managed to put like a really fantastic hotel in a a back street so when you walk along it's just like a hotel front and then when you actually go inside it's it's all marble lined amazing <laughs> and and i think they would i think they charged in something ridiculous like about seven pounds a night to stay there wow. um yeah ridiculous um yeah yeah um, I'd go back there. I mean, I, I, you know, I spent a couple of days in Delhi checking it out, um, pre-trip and uh, post-trip, and mm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go. Well, I've been back twice now, so you 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 find you you go there to Delhi. You you meet your group and you go to the the hotel, and then yep. they introduce you to your motorcycles. They show you what you're riding. No, we end, end up having a. Uh, I think it was the best part of a six-hour train journey the next day. Um, up to a place called Puanu, which is on the foothills of the uh, the Himalayas, um, and then the bike. We picked the bikes up there. Did 
Did you expect um, this six-hour journey? Did you know it was happening? Yeah, I knew there was a train journey, but not yeah. not how long it was going to be. But um, then we collected the motorcycles and we did what they call orientation, getting used to the bikes and that. Uh, not a lot to um, get too excited about. They were um, Royal Enfield um, 500 Bullet Classic, so left-hand gear change, blah-de-blah. Uh, but we took them out, had some tea, and then we um, we were heading back to the hotel and the heavens opened. Uh, and then I pretty much for the next four days, our motorcycle gear was wet. Um, it was just never dried out. <laughs> so do, are they supplying you with the motorcycle gear? Is it your own? Yeah, no, it's your own gear. So literally bag up everything you've got to take. I learned, uh, I learned a lesson. If you want to save space when you're flying to somewhere on a particular holiday like this, wear your motorcycle boots because, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't want to waste space, do you, your bag. Um, yeah, no, that's you, a good idea. You, yeah, if you need, a, if you need, um, like you, you know, can take you your need boots a, with you or your shoes with you in your pack, but wear the boots. Wear the boots. Yeah, yeah. Wear, your mo- wear your motorcycle jacket. You look a bit of an idiot with a crack helmet on, but um, in an aeroplane, does unnerve passengers, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. You're thinking this guy knows something that I don't so, know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> We're going to take just a quick break, and then we'll be right back with more of the story. Stay with us. Sometimes comfort is mistaken for luxury, but when it comes to riding a motorcycle, comfort means less fatigue and less fatigue means not only a more enjoyable ride, but it also means a safer ride because we all understand that fatigue draws us down, slows our reactions, clouds our good judgment. Comfort is really important for us riders. So when I think of the Atlas throttle lock, I not only think of the comfort I get from it, those two solid buttons with positive feedback, the ability to adjust the throttle up and down without disengaging it, the, the fact that it gives my wrist and hand a rest from gripping the throttle. Don't you notice how your left hand is always relaxed, but your right hand is clenched to hold that throttle? That's just part of riding. But when the road opens up, clenching your hand is kind of redundant. That's why the Atlas Throttle Lock is there. It takes that clench away from you, gives you time to relax, makes your ride more comfortable, and lessens fatigue on you. And the Atlas works so well. I mean, it's so refined in design that you tend to use it without thinking about it. You know, you just sort of expect it to be there for you. It becomes that standard part of your equipment, equipment that you can count on, I always like to say. That's the hallmark of a great product. The website is atlasthrottlelock.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, atlasthrottlelock.com. Make no mistake, your foot pegs are everything to you as an adventure rider. When you stand, you use peg weighting to steer, they're your connection. When you sit and ride hundreds of miles or kilometers, they're your connection. Simply getting on and off your bike, they are your connection. So if something as important as a foot peg, like a mechanic will tell you about quality tools, quality tools not only make the job easier, but sometimes they make the difference of either getting the job done or getting yourself in trouble. 
Same goes for foot pegs. Now, IMS Products has a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs, and here's why I want you to look at IMS Products. IMS began way back in 1976, and ever since then has been owned and run by riders and racers. Now, if you know any riders and racers, you'll know how they are sort of obsessed with the ride, the race, the community. They're doing it because they love what they do. IMS has designed their adventure motorcycle foot pegs from the ground up, Then they've tested and took feedback from top racers and riders to get the result they now have in their lineup. IMSproducts.com is the website. Have a look at their full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs. IMSproducts.com. I don't know. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, so then we set off the next morning and um, we headed out. Still a bit damp and start. Um, I think it was probably day three. Oh, we, we... we stayed at an amazing hotel straight out of the old Raj with a, a really old Indian guy who um, who sort of owned the hotel. It turned out to be um, a descendant of the Maharajas, he, but obviously no Maharajas now. But, yeah, he was a descendant of one yeah. and proper colonial hotel. And the one thing that we, we marvelled at, we were sitting outside in these proper colonial gardens on colonial furniture and stuff. And it was a light uh, and it, it just lit up the garden and all the moths collected around it and then the bats came out. And for 10 minutes, we watched the bats taking out all the moths until they were gone and it stopped. It was an absolute marvel. Wow. Mon- monkey, you know, monkeys running in around in trees. It, it's just so, oh, it's just yeah, absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah. And so, then, so is um, this type of tour where you're riding all along together or do you have a route that you're following without the group? Ironically, I think they they hadn't really thought it out too well at this particular stage. Um, we were pretty much running as a group. Um, with really no idea where we were going. So we were particularly being led. Um, that kind of manifested itself um, a few days later when I dropped off the group. I got stuck behind a lorry. They must have turned off. I carried on, didn't see anybody. They sat there for ages waiting for me. I just kept riding and riding, thinking I'll catch them up eventually. So you and- lost. Yeah, I'm lost. Well, yeah, that's the word. That's the word. Yeah, lost, right? <laughs> so you're um, following behind this truck. They've pulled off on a side road. They're probably waiting for you. They were waiting for you. And you yeah, just kept pretty, riding. When do you realize that you're on your own? Pretty much, right? When everything, I know I'm on my own, but I think, and I'll catch them up because they're probably ahead of me and they'll pull over eventually. And then when I noticed things started changing, like the look of the vehicles, the agricultural vehicles, people starting to wear more turbans, um, I'm thinking, I can't be in Pakistan because I've never got in there. Um, but now I'm actually in the Punjab. Um, and they all, when I actually did finally meet up with everybody, um, yeah, I said, you can't have gone to the Punjab. I said, trust me, I've been to the Punjab. And I kept telling, I kept telling everybody what I'd looked at. Even the Indian guys are on the group, right? I was like, look, this is where I went. And they went, you went to the Punjab? And I went, yeah, I went over this border. And I panicked, so I just rode out again. (laughs) 
So how long did you ride for before you decided that, you know, you're, you're in the wrong direction? Probably about an hour. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and an hour back. And then, then the uh, fear kind of sort of settled in then. Um, I know now I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. I haven't got a clue. I have got no clue. So I'm heading down the next, I've headed and taken the next sort of left-hand turn an hour away, which could only possibly be the way they went. Um, yeah, I have to hasten to add, I'd swap my bike for an old Enfield, the actual um, the guide's bike, uh, and it, all the gearing was the other way round. Um, I came down this piece of road uh, with sort of a bit too much gusto, went into the bend, it went from sort of semi-tarmac to gravel to sand, and that's where it all went horribly wrong. I ended up like binning it, flip-flopping down the road, um, end up in a road of thought I broke my arm, not sure if I broke my neck. I hadn't. I hadn't. I was sort of sitting there all a bit bewildered. Um, managed to get the bike up on its stand, so clearly I'd broken too much. And, um, yeah, I uh, I ended up, uh, I don't know what to do. So I emailed my sister, who I can imagine probably really appreciated an email, uh, saying, oh, I've had a, cr- I've had a crash. Oh, help me, like, you know. And she's like... It's me, it's me big brother in trouble again, idiot. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and then um, a, a fall before truck thing come down the road and um, some sort of like really posh Indians got out and this guy said to me, um, oh, he said, uh, you've had an accident. And I thought, yeah, it's quite obvious, isn't it, that one? Uh, and he said, can I, um, can I help you? So I said, well, I think I'll, I think I'll be okay. I think I'll be okay. Somebody will come and get me. And and he said, no, please, can we, you know, take you back to airplane? Anyway, I then get a phone call from the organiser. I don't know how that happened. He must have realised I was lost and they rang up. And anyway, um, I took the option of going back with the uh, the posh Indians. And as we – so I'm, I'm in the back of the uh, 4x4 – and my bike is a bit of a twisted mess. He's going back up the road with another guy riding it. And, um, yeah, when we get to this place, it was like a huge place. And I said, it's, it's quite a big house. And he said, well, it's not a house. He said, it's a, a medical college. He said, I'm the, um, I'm the uh, what they call it, the principal of the medical college. Somebody obviously been looking out the window, seen me crash down the road, reported it, he come out to see what was going on, picked me up, took me back. Well, I could have fallen on better feet. They got they got one of their doctors out to have a look at me. They got on the phone, said, give me the phone, I'll ring the guy that you're talking to, blah, blah, blah. And then we ended up having we ended up having dinner together in his cat uh, in his private room with his son. And uh yeah, yeah, and I'm still in touch with them. Wow, that's really now, now. I think you might have read that wrong. I hate to tell you this, but I, when they looked out the window and they saw you crash, what they saw was that's a, that's an experiment for us right there. Let's Probably. go. Let's go get that. <laughs> that's like a scientist, you know, that's into birds or something like that. Sees a bird on yeah. the side of the road. Go pick it up. Get it. Get it. Yes. Bring it Mind back you, here. <laughs> I did. I did wonder why I'd only still. Well, I've only got one arm now, but there you go. <laughs> that's right. They took that. Sort of yeah. something else. Wow. So but, that's um, that's bizarre, and that's that's well, that's what getting lost did for. 
for you. I mean, you went yeah, to Punjab yeah. and, the, and then you end up meeting this person who, like you said, you're still in touch with, you're still friends with. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he gave me um, his business card and said, you know, if I can be of any assistance to you in the future, do not hesitate to call me. Now, ironically, we were travelling, I was travelling in a support vehicle, the twisty bike was getting ridden behind, um, and we came across a few police checkpoints, and they do like to say, can we have a couple of hundred rupees to carry on? Um, I don't want to insinuate anything, but, yeah, they like, they do <laughs> like a bit a couple of rupees. Um, and I'd, we've been through two of these, and... Uh, the guy looked through the window, saw me. He went, English? I said, yes, passport. I gave him a passport, but I had the business card in the passport mm. and it dropped It dropped out. Anyway, he went through the process and then he opened the door and picked the business card up. I think he thought it was 200 rupees. Read the card and said, local politician pointed at it. I said, oh, <coughs> yeah, as I understand, yes. I met him and I tried to explain and he just went on your way. So <laughs> it was like, thank you. That helped me out there. That did. <laughs> so he, what are you thinking? He, that helped you or hindered you the card? No, it helped me, helped mm, me massively. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. But um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I was, I have to say the, um, the guy I met out there, he, um, he's actually moved up into sort of higher politics in India now. Um, but he, at the time, he said to me, how old are you? And I said, about 55. No, I wasn't 50, about 50 or something, I think I was at the time. Um, and he said, oh, oh, when's your birthday? I said, October. He said, oh, I'm 50 and I will be 50 in uh, November. He said, and he looked at me and he went, and I would not be riding a motorcycle in India at my age. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I and know. he lives there, so that uh, and he lives there. That tells lives you there. something, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And, and is that it? That that's what happened. You got reunited with, with the group after this. Yeah, I, I, about three hours later, rattling around in a car with I think I mean, I think I did end up with a cut of cracked ribs. Um, and uh, yeah, I must admit I was in pain for quite a, quite a few days after that. Um, but then we just we just pushed. Yeah, we had to keep pushing on. Uh, fortunately, uh, when the bike was brought back. Um, the, the support guys on the on the vehicle they um they they were out with scaffold poles and stuff straightening it all back up and yeah it was as Indians they they are so industrious they they can sort anything out they can like you know um yeah so we were back on the road again and then we um we ended up another couple of days we pushed up to a place called the uh, Sash Pass and it's one of them places where you, you barely you can barely get a truck along it, and one side's a cliff, and the other side is a cliff that goes down thousands of feet. Um, mm. Waterfalls, magnificent, absolutely magnificent. But uh, but at that stage, you're moving he- more and more towards um, an Asian uh, sort of like if I said like a Chinese Asian culture, it it it, it moves. You go from Indian people looking very Indian to people looking very sort of Chinese, if, if I, yeah, mm-hmm. basically. And, um, yeah, and then, then we're, uh, we're up there and then uh, we get our biggest problem so far, apart from me, we get the uh, instant where we, we basically pull up 
big traffic jam. We're supposed to be heading into a valley, um, and we realise that there's been a mudslide, and we we're, we're not getting we're not getting across this piece of road. So uh, we ended up s- sort of sitting at the top of this road in a bit of a wooded area. I said to him, "Oh, come on, let, let's get a bonfire going. We could be sleep. Uh, let's get a campfire going. We could be sleeping here tonight." And we got um, we got, ended up with three Buddhist monks sitting with us. We got the old campfire going and stuff. I think somebody, I think somebody went. Uh, I've got a bottle of whiskey. It's an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, then we had, we had to make a decision where we were going. So. Um, what we did was uh, we ended up wading through this mud and shale to the other side. We were then picked up by a, 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 a taxi. I don't know who arranged that. And we got to the hotel, uh, night over, and in the following day we went back to collect the bikes. Uh, but the road was still not open and it was a huge boulder stuck in the middle and um, – yeah, we're all sort of sitting around watching it. It was boring, blah, blah, blah. Then somebody said, I think that bloke's got dynamite. I think he's going to blow that up. So everyone's kind of looking. And like normally there'd be like a two-mile exclusion zone around this. <laughs> yeah, they'd be telling everyone right. get back. Yeah, yeah. And get back, yeah. And we're all, we're all looking and the guy like lit the fuse and he just run like hell. And we were all like, we were all standing there with our mouths open, going, "Did he? Is he? Is he gonna blow that up?" And all of a sudden, it goes bang. We get a sound that well, it got this sound, and then the rocks started bowling up this road. We were all riding behind buses and cars and stuff. Jeez, yeah. And I went, did he really blow that up? And then the diggers come in, moved the bigger rocks out away, so. We ended up walking up this hill, picked our bikes up, um, and then yeah, we were the first across this mudslide, and uh, yeah, that was everybody was cheering, and yeah, it was it was funny because all the Indians they were cheering away like as we went across. Um, <laughs> it's just just amazing, boys' own adventure stuff. It really was, yeah. and uh, but, um, yeah, and then we so we moved on there. We we did. Um, we did a place called Pang, which is um, it's basically a, a it's a pass that's only open for three three months a year, and they tend to be it's tend to be run by sort of Tibetans, so it's like a staging post, almost like um, like motorway services, so you can stay there and get a meal, get your bits and pieces. So we stayed there for a night. Um, it, I have to say it was cold, cold. We were wet, horrible, but. Yeah, that was that was an amazing place, and then we just pushed on from there. A um, couple of more days, and then we came across another village. Everything ground to halt. Another mudslide. Spent spent a night uh, with uh, a Tibetan guy in in a room on some old blankets, and then we we were basically evacuated out over the side of a mountain. Down the other side, um, the Indian Army were waiting for us with trucks and stuff, and we got taken to the next village. It, they when they, when they get going, they get going. They they know exactly what they're doing. But unfortunately for us, that was the end of the trip because we 
you know, bikes one side and we were the other side. Oh, so, I see. You left the bikes again. Well, yeah. But, and the reason I wanted, part of the reason I wanted to do this trip was there was the last couple of days we were going to do a ride up a thing called the Cardon Law, which is, I think, I believe it's 8,600 feet above sea level. So it's actually higher than every space camp and it's the highest navigable, navigable road in the world, apparently. It takes you up and over the top and into another valley, um, and everybody goes and does it. It's one of their places, it takes you about two and a half hours to ride up, uh, but when you get there, you probably only get about 30 minutes because of the oxygen levels. And I managed to do it the following year on the second trip I booked. Um, which, and how high uh, is this? Eight eight thousand eight thousand six hundred feet. Eight thousand, eighteen thousand. Sorry, eight sorry, eighteen thousand six hundred. Yeah. Sorry, eighteen thousand six hundred feet. So yeah, 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 eight thousand's nothing, is it? Um yeah. And it's it's bizarre because when you're up there, um you don't realise you're in a s I think some of it is you've got massive adrenaline in it, you've done it, but it's all that you're in a state of euphoria. And everybody's like it. Everybody's happy. It's because it's got no oxygen in this. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. I'm thinking your, your brain cells are dying. <laughs> <laughs> basically, basically, yeah, yeah. So you spend about half an hour then, you ride back. And I had to say, I rode back uh, and I slept all afternoon, I did after that. But uh, absolutely amazing. So it took two trips to get to that goal. But um, I've done it. I've done it now. And, uh, yeah. And then, obviously, the fire fire is burning in me to go everywhere else now. <laughs> so so this trip is, you, you keep, you've said several times something like a, a boy's, you know, a trip or boy's night out or whatever. Um, this yeah. Is because it was all guys on the trip. And you get to know these guys. You, you guys form quite a bond. Massively. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah there's, um, I mean, obviously, we, we were... We were cemented by the trip. Um, I mentioned Will who passed away. Um, he um I think he was like he was the actual kingpin of it all because he was a young lad, fun. He he just he just kept it quite exciting. Um and yeah, when he when he died, it, it affected us all. And uh mm. yeah, we you know, we all come together. You know, we always, every you know, every year we know when he died, we always take a moment to sort of remember that, you know, the guy who was so much fun who, who was with us. And uh, and I think it has sort of cemented a, a friendship of guys that unless I'd actually signed up for a trip like that, um, I would never have met. Um, and, and it's moved on from there to sort of regular trips where, you know, I'll, I might even ride up and meet up with them for a day out. Um, and the whole thing's sort of grown a little bit. Um, we've got one of the guys who actually comes from Lincolnshire, which is east of it, but one of the guys met him on another trip and invited him into the group. And it's, there's, we've ended up with like four pretty much sort of key members that actually do like our big trips away. So, oh, uh, nice. yeah. 
So uh, before this trip, before you went on this this Himalayan trip, yeah. you still had a motorcycle. You had a motorcycle your, your whole time. I know you told me that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the whole, yeah, yeah. Your whole yeah, adult, yeah. adult life since you started riding. Uh, but the trips, they sort of waned in a little bit, was it? And and then this sort of reignited your... your... Yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, prior to getting married, I, I, I was sort of doing pretty much Europe most of the time with me mates and that. Um, uh, anything to get over the, over from the UK. For me, Britain's got so much to offer, but I've always kind of said, I'll do that on a coach trip when I'm really old and decrepit. Um, because I kind of think there's so many places in the world that I want to see, uh, and I want to see on my, on a not on my bike or, or on a, a motorbike before you know I get too old to do it. Uh, I've got my sights set on uh, South America, um, yeah, and it's kind it's kind of opened my eyes up. I'm not particularly interested in the Far East, to be honest with you, uh, at the moment. I really, I really did want to get involved in um, Eastern Europe, particularly, well, should I say Russia and some of the old ex-Soviet states. But I actually had a trip planned for um, Chernobyl with my son. We we were going to go next year. Um, we we both said like we really want to look at it through sort of morbid curiosity, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's off the agenda at the moment. So I'm, I'm pretty much going into my winter winter thing now where I'll um, t- I'll be turning into, uh, was it, what like you got up there, the bears, where yeah. they uh, pretty much go into a cave with a load of dry leaves and, uh, yeah, and then I'll re- reappear, in, <laughs> reappear in about March. Probably all, <laughs> probably all a bit miserable. <laughs> You you were saying that you sort of you got to the point where in life where you know you you realized at work that life was going to be too short, yeah. Or, or life is short, you know, which which we sort of get to as we get older. And you and you thought you want to get out there and do the things you want to do. What in in that sort of thought process? What advice would you give people? Um. Well, I'd, I'd, <laughs> ironically, I'd say from from a young age, I'd tell somebody to start piling money into their pension plan, but um, <laughs> not everybody's got that luxury. But um, I'd, I'd, I'd seriously say, if you can make that choice and get out there and do more travelling, um, there's nothing more rich than knowledge, experience, um, and meeting people. Um it doesn't even matter if you don't even speak the same language. You always find, you know, if you're polite with people and uh, you'll always communicate with people and you actually find it doesn't matter where you go in the world, right? The world's full of really good people and there's very, very few bad people in the world. You know, if you come across the bad one, you're just a bit unlucky. But the world is full of good people and... uh and, and when you're travelling, you tend to meet those good people. We were in Bulgaria um, this year and uh, a guy pulled over and he could see us all scratching our heads and trying to work out where we were going. And he said, can I can I, can I, I help you? So we said, well, we're trying to find this we were at a hotel. And he, he got out of his car. He had a look and he's got his Google out. And he went, oh, I know where that is. He said, that's about five kilometres out of town. So he said, oh, all right, thanks. And he started giving us directions. And he said, I'll tell you what, follow me. 
he rode us, th- rode us through, rode us through um, rush hour traffic in Sofia to our hotel, and then like, well, that's your hotel. I'm going to turn around. I nice. have a great, you know. Uh, but you you find that when you're away, um, mm. yeah, you just meet. I think you might meet good. I've not met any get bad people, so I, I draw the conclusion that there's probably more good people in the world than there are bad people for sure. Like, you know, and and that's what you're doing. That's your retirement now is, is basically looking for new places to go ride and figure out when you'll do it and how you'll do it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously it's not my life all day long. I've got, you know, I've got elderly parents to look after and stuff, but um, yeah, it's pretty much, yeah, pretty much planning where I want to go and stuff like that. Um, I know it sounds daft, but I want to kind of leave a bit of a legacy for me kids. Um, this was kind of part of the reason why I wanted to sort of do this, you know, where, you know, if, if, if you know, if this goes out on air, happy days. But, um, yeah, it'd be good. I could, like, perhaps put it on a CD years later. They can look at me holiday photos. If I get grandchildren, they go, oh, like, granddad was mad, wasn't he? He used to disappear off and go on these mad holidays and stuff like yeah. that. And, uh, you know, something to look back on. Bit of le- you know, a bit of legacy, bit of history. Uh, John, thank you very much. I really enjoyed chatting with you. That's, yeah, it's my pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed chatting. Across, across the pond, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I'd also like to thank Ali for um, pushing me on to do this anyway. Ali Pepperdy, yep. 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 That was John Evans from his home in the UK getting ready for his next trip. We've got some photos from John of his adventures in the show notes for this episode on our website, adventureriderradio.com. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks of course to our producer Elizabeth Martin and to you the listener thank you very much for being a part of this. Now don't forget we have another show called ARR Raw it comes out once a month you need to subscribe separately for that and like Adventure Rider Radio you can find it anywhere podcasts are found and if you haven't done it already we would love to get a five star review from you on iTunes or wherever it is you find your podcast. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name's Jim Martin thank you very much for being a part of this. I'll talk to you next week. Hi, this is Justin Kleider, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 